Let's invite our speaker for this morning. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are a God who speaks, who reveals your will to us, who cares to tell us what you think. Us small, insignificant, five feet, six feet tall people on this spinning globe, yet your heart burns for us. Your thoughts towards us are like the sand of the sea and they're too marvelous, too marvelous. It's beyond our comprehension why you should consider us. What is man that you are mindful of him? Thank you, Jesus, that we have your attention. We are most blessed because of that. Speak to us, O oh God. Encourage the bored people to listen. Encourage the idle to get involved. Encourage the distracted to focus. Encourage the guilty to repent. Move, O oh God, this morning beyond my words, my intellect, and my delivery. I trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in election week. And 23rd of May was the results of the election. So today I want to speak to us about uh, the election. I want to speak to you about the election. I don't want to speak about the election. I want to speak to you about the election. The Christians' submission to an unfriendly government, a response to the 2019 elections in India. Let me begin by saying this. Listen carefully. We are blessed beyond measure. We, India, Indians, citizens of India, our country, north to south, east to west, we are blessed beyond measure. We have freedom, we have wealth, the rupee is stronger than a lot of countries. We have opportunity. We are far ahead than so many more countries. And most of you, most of us are hopeful about the future. I mean, even if you think your kid is the worst kid in the universe, still you are hopeful about that. And you are hopeful about a great future. You're building towards a great future. I still remember when I went to Rwanda, when I went to Kenya, some of the countries that are not as strong economically, and it, it, it tore my heart up because one, the guy who was with me said, this is the vegetable market. And as I looked down at the vegetable market on the side of the street, which is supposed to be the vegetable market, I saw, uh, just, I saw just a person with almost like a very big hanky, you know, and four tired potatoes, right, piled up in a little, and that was the lady selling vegetables, potatoes. Then just next door, after that, was another person over there. They're selling something like a sweet potato, wanna be a carrot type thing. Okay, and then everybody else, and it's all like four or five, and it's just hardly any, and each one is just trying to sell a little bit. And that was the vegetable market. And I pass through the Mondays here. I go past the Friday markets, and it's like Kitty, man. It's like driving through greenery and all of them with their radies over there filled with so much of produce and abundance and greenery and the colorful fruit 
the colorful fruit all along the, i was wondering where did the quinoas go it came under came to the end of winter and overnight they recalled all the quinoas you know the kin quinoa it's my favorite suddenly overnight all gone i don't know where it went somebody's eating it and if you drive from here to any city in the north you drive through beautiful green pastures and green uh, uh, fields there is abundance there is food there is wealth there are cars you go to the malls ever from gucci to pucci you get everything <laughs> you get everything i mean we are blessed we are not more than 70 years into our into our uh, freedom and it three generations the first generation had nothing they had nothing they built it from scratch they put this country back together the second generation after that worked their tail off they worked their tail off to build this country to make it what it is today and with hard sweat and tears they were able to buy that first house get that first car get that first investment ensure that their children went to good schools and got a good education the third generation is now buying brands they buy, the people in their 15 in their teens and early 20 they don't they think it's been like that all the time It's not been like that all the time. I'm telling you. Your parents never dreamt of the things you demand. You're sitting here, and even while I'm speaking to you, you could be shopping on Amazon. <laughs> and by the evening, you will get whatever you want. Right now, you could drive up within half an hour to one hour to any shopping center, to any market, and you can get whatever you want, and you can pay it in EMIs for the rest of your life. We are a blessed nation. Say amen. amen. We are a blessed nation. Amen. We are a we we are blessed beyond measure. And the point is, no political party got us here. no political party got us here i'll tell you why we are so blessed and why we are where we are today number one god number one god god has his favor on india god has favor on the nations but god has his favor on india god has shown us success god has given us blessing first and foremost praise to god second it is the hard work of the private sector and the public sector and many 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 genuine hard working people in the in the public sector who have worked hard to bring our country to where it is today yes or no it is the private sector it is micro enterprise that our country and our culture doesn't sit around doing and doing nothing it they don't depend on on welfare they don't depend on 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 someone else to hand out to them even our beggars are hard working even our beggars are hard because i've seen countries you've been to countries where even the beggar doesn't can't get up and come and get the money even he's that lazy from there only he's saying that i must get out of the car and give it to you everyone selling you something even the beggar is begging you but he's also selling you something you will never use he everyone's working we have a culture that works our men work our women work my gosh we are willing to work for nothing we'll get yelled at we'll get sworn at and we will still work hard 
We are in every country and some places where it's not a country. We are everywhere and we are ready to take anyone's job. Amen? Yeah. You will not find our people sitting around doing nothing. And our culture has that entrepreneurial zest within it. We are hardworking people. No real threat awaits us. No real threat awaits us. Unless we are genuinely intending to advance the gospel. Listen carefully. I'm going to say this one more time. There is no real threat awaiting you and me in the future, in the uncertainty of our future. No real threat. Unless we are genuinely intending to advance the gospel. And if we are genuinely, listen, if we are genuinely intending to advance the gospel, you will have opposition no matter who's in power. Because your real opposition is the devil. Your real opposition are those who have rejected God. You will have opposition anyway. So if you're up for it, if you're with it, if you're with us, and you are going to take the gospel forward with your life, then there is going to be opposition no matter what. So either way, gear up, suit up, show up. We are blessed beyond measure. No political party got us there. The hardworking government servants in our country got us there. God has his favor on us and everybody is working. There are no real threats except that which we want to go forward with the gospel. We must be careful not to mix spiritual agendas with personal anger that our choice of party didn't win. We must be careful not to mix spiritual agendas with personal anger that our choice of party didn't win. Do you like losing a badminton match? It's a simple question, yes or no? No. Do you like losing a game in, in school? No. Do you like losing uh, uh, to, uh, to somebody else in class? No. We never like losing. So don't mix personal loss and anger. Don't mix personal ego thrashing with spiritual agendas. Okay? So when you lose a, a badminton uh, match, you don't make it a spiritual agenda. Satan is against me. <laughs> Satan is against me. Okay? You don't do that. When you, when you, do, you know, don't get good marks and thing, or you miss out on admission, or you lose out in life on some opportunity, you don't make it a spiritual agenda. But when we vote in one direction and then something else comes out, we make it a spiritual. I'm just saying be careful. Be careful. Be careful. And number three, we must not give up in prayer. We must not give up in prayer. We must not give up in prayers. The answer to our prayer may not be denied. It just might be delayed. Do you know that there are spiritual warfares in heaven? You know that there's delays from God's throne to our earth. And it could just be a delay. And just because the results or anything happens, it doesn't mean it's final. Nothing is final as, until God says it's final. Like I said, this is more about you and me than it is about a political party or the elections. Three reasons why you must not give up in prayer. Number one, because God is in control. Because God is in control. The Bible says, for the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. 
The kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. You need to believe in your heart that God is in control. No matter the elections, no matter the results, no matter what, God has not lost an ounce of control. Not on the 22nd of May, not on the 23rd of May, not on the 24th of May. God has not lost an ounce of control. He hasn't lost his control to anybody else. He hasn't lost his influence to anybody else. He is still on the one seat, the throne. And that is seat is taken. And it is not up for elections. Hallelujah. God is in control. You and I struggle with the faith that God is in control of everything. Because deep in our heart we know that God is not even in control of me. For those of us living our lives and our spirit is not bent in servitude, bent in submission to God. We ourselves know that we are not in bent to God. We cannot believe that the circumstances are bent to God and are subservient to his purposes. And when we cannot believe that we or our circumstances are subservient to God's purposes, how can we believe that our nation is under God's control? Are you seeing where I'm going with this? It starts with you. It starts with your heart. It starts with your throne. God is in control. Number two, God, the second reason why we don't give up in prayer is God will take control. God will take control. Psalm 67, verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Notice the S on the end of nations. That makes it plural. That makes it plural. Not Christian nations. Not Muslim nations. Not Hindu nations, not atheistic nations, let all the nations, let nations be glad. Why? Let nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the peoples with uprightness, underline this, and guide the nations on the earth. You got to believe that. You will guide the nations on the earth. No, no, no. God is not just guiding Judeo-Christian nations. God is guiding all nations. God is guiding every single one. When it comes to governance, God is God to everybody. Look at me, listen to me. When it comes to governance, God is God to everybody. He is for everybody. He is for every nation. And every nation can be glad that God is for them, not against them. When it comes to governance, what does the Bible say? It rains on the righteous and on the wicked. No matter what happens, as the globe turns, the sun rises for everyone. God loves everyone equally and every nation is equally loved and cared for as God would have it. Salvation is a different topic and a different issue, but God himself says the nations can be glad because he guides the nations on the earth. But God will take control God will take control even when there's a seem to be loss of control or any leader goes his own way. Look at Proverbs 21 verse 1. The king's heart is like what? Channels of water. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. And what does he do? He turns it wherever he wishes. So who's in control? Who's in control? So it's not about who's in the seat on earth, it's about who's in the seat in heaven. Because whoever's on the seat on earth, his heart is like channels of water in the hands of God and God 
turns it as he wishes. Any king, any political leader, any dictator even can have his own agendas, but it doesn't phase God. So the second reason why you and I must not give up in prayer is because there is no king on earth that does not have a king in heaven. And we have access not to the king on earth, but straight to the king of heaven, which is why we don't give up in prayer. But Pastor Jerry, what, what if, you know, it's a, a, a corrupt government? What if there's corrupt leaders? What if, you know, they don't care about these minorities or that group or this? God is in control. God will take control and God will counteract. God will counteract. Look at the verse. Romans chapter 13 verse 1. Every person is to be subject to the governing bodies. Every person is to be subject to the governing bodies, governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. If you believe that, the mid-management between God and you does not phase you. Do you get what I'm saying? It won't phase you. You may not have your choice of government, but that doesn't make them your enemies. There is no authority except from God. What if they don't care for the poor? What if they don't take care of the needy? What if people suffer under their regime? Okay, Psalm 72 verse 12, 13 and 14. For he will deliver the needy when he cries for help. Are you reading this? For he will deliver the needy when he cries. What else will he do? The afflicted also and him who has no helper. Even someone who doesn't have a voice, someone who doesn't have a helper, someone who has, doesn't have someone to carry him through, God will help them. He will have compassion on the poor and the needy and the lives of the needy he will save. He will rescue their life from the oppression and from violence and their, oh I love this verse, look at this verse again. He will rescue their life from oppression and violence. He will do it. And their blood will be precious in his sight. What does that mean? Life is in the blood. Their lives will be precious to God. Christians? No. Muslims? Not just Muslims. Anyone. Anyone. They are precious in his sight. I went to Sri Lanka and the Muslims were scared. They were scared because everything was being nailed out of them and regular normal Muslim families were hiding in their families, and I, uh, in their homes. And I told you, some of our families went in, knocked on their door and said, can we get you anything? Can we go shopping for you? If you're worried to go outside on the street, can we go get stuff for you? And there was born and we cared for them. The Muslims in this country have no need to fear. God is with you. He is not against you. I'm going to say it again. The Muslims in this country have no need to fear. God is with you. He is not against you. You have his back. And you have our back. He will rescue their life from oppression and violence and their blood will be precious in his sight. You and I can have a theological perspective on whatever we want, but on a human perspective, God is the God of humanity and he is for everyone. Say amen. God provides for everyone. He, when it comes to governance, his governance is just justice 
He rules with justice. And he moves kings to do as he will. God will counteract. So, we must be faithful in prayer. We must be faithful in prayer. Look at what Jeremiah 29 7 says. He says, Also seek peace. I want you to notice this amazing verse. Also seek peace and prosperity of the city. Which city? Whichever city you are in. Seek peace of the city. Seek the prosperity of the city to which I have carried, watch this, to which I have carried you into, say it. Ooh. What? So you take me, God, you take me out of my people, you take me out of my state, you take me out of my country, my culture, my religion, you take me out of where my comfort zone is, and you put me in exile, so to speak, in another place where I'm surrounded, not by my own people, not by my own faith, not by my own friends. You put me in another place, and you want me to pray for their peace. You want me to pray for their prosperity. Really? Yes, I do. Why? He says, pray to the Lord for it. What is it? The city. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you, <laughs> you too will. Okay, 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 okay. Wait, wait, wait. So you take me out of my comfort zone. You put me in exile, right? And I pray for the city because I have access to the throne of thrones, the king of kings, the lord of lords. Because I have access to God's goodness. And I can pray. I don't give up in prayer because when you've taken me into exile, listen carefully, and you've put me among people that are not mine, even perhaps hostile to me, I will pray for them, for the city, seek the peace, serve the peace of that city. The city does well and I do well. So what you're saying is even in exile, I can be a blessing. So even when you take me to exile and you place me anywhere in any country, I can be a blessing. I will be a blessing. You will turn me into a blessing. Believers are to be the salt of the earth. Believers are to be in any given situation and bloom where you're planted. Believers are to be in any situation and submit to the government. Believers are to be in any situation and believe, no matter who rules on earth, only one God rules in heaven. For if it prospers, you too will prosper. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. That's a very sad statement. That's a very sad statement. It's like parents saying, if only my children would humble themselves and come and ask me. You know what a parent has to go through to even say that? I just thought about it. I'm like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and, uh, my face and turn from their wicked ways, then three I wills. I will. Come on, people. I will hear. I will forgive. And I will heal. Let's do it again. If my people who are called by my name, this is why we don't give up in prayer. Humble themselves. This is why we don't give up in prayer. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Four things. I will hear, I will forgive, I will heal their land. My brothers and sisters and friends, we stand in the gap and represent our nation to God in prayer. Our primary call on this earth is to be in the middle, to stand in the gap. We are not here to make a nation of ourselves. We are not here to make a people of ourselves or cry minority, minority. We are not a minority. 
We are not a minority. Say hallelujah. It's a basement. Nobody's watching. We stand in the gap and we represent our nation, India, to God in prayer. We are the salt. We are the salt. We need to be faithful in service. Because the time for talking is finished. All the talking that the church has done, all the gossiping and all the claims that the church has done, time is over. Now it's time to serve. It's time to get out there and it's time to serve. We need to serve our community. We must be faithful in service. 1 Peter 3.13 Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Who's going to go against you if you've done good for somebody? We are not subject to human institutions, but simply by simply keeping minimum requirements. Don't break the speed limit. Don't cross the red light. You know, pay your taxes in time. You just do everything that's just right, basic, bare limits, and stay under the profile. Stay under the radar. I don't think so. No unbeliever is impressed by minimalist Christian ethics that simply avoid bad things. Let me say it again. No unbeliever is, is impressed by minimalist Christian ethics that simply avoid bad things. What impresses the world are good deeds overflowing way beyond normal expectations. What are you doing? What am I doing that proves that we believe that God is in control? That we believe that God is for everyone and that we are here to serve the nations around us? What are we doing? Practically, what are we doing? Realistically, what are we doing? And even if you cry persecution, if people were to come and want to persecute you, would they find enough evidence? We must be faithful in service. Get on a peace team. Get on a ministry team. Get involved in the community. Don't be a worshiper. Be a servant. Don't be a worshiper, be a servant. Your service to God is much greater than your words to God. And perhaps then our words to God will have weightier value to God and to people. We must be faithful in service. And we are not a minority. We are not a minority. Look at what scripture says. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of... God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Okay, let me close. My brothers and sisters, my friends, online, whoever's watching, our threats, more often than not, are not real. Our threats are not real. Our problem is anxiety. Listen carefully as I close. An uneasiness, a nagging sense that something bad is going to happen. Oh, if these guys come into power, this will happen. Oh, if that happens, that will happen. Oh, if this doesn't happen. It's all made up. The answer to anxiety is our trust in God. The answer to anxiety is our trust in God. We cannot control the future. We have very little in control. And that's okay. Believe it. It's okay. 
Nobody's ever been really in control. And we got up to 2019. And everything is still, is still the same. Nothing is new under the sun. We know the one who is in control. Listen to me. We know the one who's in control. And when we believe the world to be a fearful, bad place, we think, oh, it's a terrible place and I'm a minority and I'm living, oh, and, and everybody's against me. When we turn uh, to the next prime minister or to the next paycheck for our certainty and for our sustenance, we place our trust in something or someone other than God. That's not right. God is the only answer to our anxiety. I believe you can turn to other outlets and you can have your answers fulfilled for a little while but not for very long. So look at the word of God when it says and talks about anxiety. When anxiety was great within me, what did I do? Your consolation brought joy to my soul. Look at what else it says. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Don't put your trust in what you fear. Did you hear me? That's counterproductive. Don't put your trust in what you fear. Put your trust in what you believe. Who you believe. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. So between you and me, congregation and pastor, I want to remind you of three things. I want us to be mindful of three things. Number one, God works through all situations. It doesn't matter who's on the throne. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter who's the boss. God is always in control. And he will work through that. And any power on earth came from him, so he's able to move it. The second thing I want us to remember is this. Because of 23rd May and the elections and the results, and because of the direction our, our, our country is taking, the church is going to grow. The church is going to, no, 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 it's not just going to, it's going to grow rapidly. So for the next four years, let's stop crying and feeling sorry for ourselves and let's get involved with number three. Number three is be prepared, be trained, be welcoming. Be prepared, be trained, and be welcoming. Get ready because God uses all situations to bring all people to himself. And if he's all about that and any situation is no challenge for him he's going to use this one and over the next four years five years the church is going to grow and God is going to bring people who are truly seeking him from all backgrounds and all colors and all creeds and all languages are you ready will you make yourself ready number one God works through all situations number two in the next few years, the church is going to grow rapidly. We need answers. We need solutions. I can't do it alone. I need your help. So I need you to be prepared. I need you to train. I need you to welcome. To welcome. Join a home group. Get involved in fellowship. Get your faith strong. Come to, come to the training programs. Come to situations where I'm training you for ministry. Training you to share. Training you to serve. Training you to go into the community. Come. Take time out from your busy, self-centered lives. And give God first place in your life. Words are not going to wake us up, oh God. We have been asleep for so long. The mighty body of Christ has been asleep for so long. that words are not going to wake us up. It's the spirit of God. 
and nothing less or else can bring such a heaven quake that believers whose hearts are in heaven will wake the bodies that are on earth and get in sync with God's purposes for our lives. Oh God, would you use our church first? I beg you as the pastor of Covenant Life, would you use our church first? First for everything, from persecution to challenges to success to breakthroughs. Use us, oh God. At any expense, use us. We want to be used by you. We want to be part of this global thing you're doing. Wake us up out of our sleepy personal lives and allow us to be part of the global movement of what you are personally orchestrating from the throne of God. Economies and politics, language and countries, policies and currencies all bow and cooperate to what God is doing. And we want to be part of that. Would you answer my prayer, O oh God? As we worship you, would you complete this installation? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.